I believe there's a hero in all of us. You have great powers, only some of which you have as yet discovered. I'm a superhero, my A real-life superhero. The world needs extraordinary. We will make you a superhero. Are you ready to become the hero? Initiating surprise in three. This, two, is one. The Real Brian Show. Oh my gosh, it's Friday the 13th. Uh, I'm a little scared about that right now. But it is the show that gives you a positive escape from all the crap around you. Time to nerd out on the things that better our lives. We are back. We've time traveled to the 1930s and 40s on our musical journey. We're going to combine those two decades. By the way, what superpower would you want if you could have one? What's on our honk list? Lots of stuff to watch, finally. We'll talk about that. We have another Captain's Origin and more to end your week right. Do you mind if I ask you a few questions? Unofficially, of course. Make it official if you like. What is your nationality? I'm a drunkard. (laughs) (laughs) And that makes Rick a citizen of the world. Let's rock it! Well, I guess that's one way to do it about your nationality is uh, if you don't want to tell people where you're from, you just say you're a drunkard or something like i don't know what i'm could, an what would you be i'm an i'm an expat drunkard if that helps if, if that counts <laughs> expat. Uh, hey there you go <laughs> there you go expat I drunkard would, i love that yeah well there you go yeah. Ca- captain influence the expat hey. drunkard makes you a, a well <laughs> does that make you a citizen of the world then anymore or is that i guess you're you're an expat citizen of the world too yeah i think we're all citizens of the world whether we like it or not or uh, want to be true. or not and uh i need a t-shirt that says that I, I think i need to make a t-shirt that says i'm a citizen of the world whether i like it or not oh no i'm an expat drunkard ah love it <laughs> <laughs> or, the, or that one too they're and, both good and the thing is is only a few people would ever understand what that means they'd be like uh, oh dude that's from casablanca and everyone else is going to be like what what, exactly. what does that mean and fewer and fewer people every decade understand what that means yes i know so. most people are like wait what there were movies in the 1940s did they have electricity back then oh my gosh welcome to the real brian show thanks for joining us we have electricity thankfully yeah thankfully yeah tell you what holy cow what would we do without electricity we would all die in the summer well that's true i yep. think we'd move to more moderate climates though probably i think yeah well no i think uh that i don't know that that's an that's very practical i think we would all live deep underground but well it, yeah how was that practical <laughs> <laughs> you can dig holes with a shovel yeah yeah so we just i mean if, if we didn't have electricity and there were as many people as there are today, you know, with electricity, everyone would just have a really deep living quarters underground and not like suit, okay. not kilometers deep. I'm just talking like several meters underground where it's cool. We would all have our living rooms and, and bedrooms and stuff. And then during the wintertime, we could live above ground. Okay. Okay. How's well, that for a brainstorm? I- <laughs> Citizen of the world here, Brian. That is one way to do it. I'll tell you what. But here's the thing. And this would maybe this would be an interesting origin. How did people do it before air conditioning and heating? I mean, granted, we had fires. So you could, you know, build fires to keep yourselves warm. You know, there were TPs, which actually worked really well. But then what about in the in the hot? I mean, don't you kind of migrate somewhere where it's a little cooler when it's hot? I mean, you wouldn't want to hang out in Phoenix. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> or Death well, Valley. I mean, if you don't have an air that's, conditioner, that's a good question because I mean, there were people in Phoenix before air conditioning, so or even before swamp coolers. Yeah. Okay. So, so maybe uh, they did have those Adobe huts or whatever. You know that they were made underground. Maybe that's 
that might be the the answer. Maybe. Maybe they just hey. hung out underwater. I don't know. This is a good brainstorming question. We're though. both scratching our heads right now. I know. You can't see it. Yeah. We're going to figure this it. one out. How are you doing, man? <laughs> it's been it's I'm been good. 2 weeks. I know. It doesn't feel like it cuz you and I uh we game so much that uh, I, I didn't I, I forgot that we didn't have an episode last week. So I didn't forget. I I missed it. But at the same time, I tell you what, man, it was nice to have a week off. Good. Not not from the show necessarily, but I just mean in general. Yeah, total all around week off for you. Mm-hmm. What's interesting is that we took a week off last year, but that's when we were buying that condo. And so we were in that process of, you know, negotiating and trying to figure out if this is really what we wanted to do and moving into the new condo with the massive new studio and stuff like that. That's not relaxing. And we did that most <laughs> of the week off that we had last year. And so it really wasn't a vacation. No. So then I was thinking, when was moving the last time we took a vacation? Well, that was in 2019. And even then, that was a really, really tough year for us. So, wow. It was time. I was so excited. Yeah. We Normally, when I take a week off, I still think about the show. Entrepreneurs don't turn their brains off. You just you just go for it. You have fun. You're always thinking. You're always trying to think of something new. You know, you're like, oh, this would be a great show topic, so on and so forth. This year, this last week, I was so burnt out to the point where I, I just, I told Sarah, I'm like, I have no desire to think about anything. I don't even want to think about the show. I don't want to think about it. I am done. I'm shutting it down. I may check email only because there are personal things that come in once in a while, but any work email, I I didn't even read it. So I just didn't respond to anything and it was wonderful and I was not ready to come back. And usually I'm excited (laughs) to come back. Usually after a week, I'm like, this is great. I'm excited. I'm I'm ready now. And I'm going, oh my gosh, I could have used two or three weeks. Yeah, I hear you, dude. I do. I hear you. I, you know, it's, it's, it's nice. You got that week off and I'm glad you used it. It was beneficial for you, but yeah. I totally understand about when that week's over and, and and everybody listening understands when that week's over a vacation, you're like, oh man, I know there are times too. If you go on a trip, if you go somewhere and you're having a great time and you're sad that, you know, you have to leave and go home, right? There is that too. And I understand that, but this was one of those where I went, I really needed more time off because I, <laughs> I just wasn't even close to ready to come back yet. And most of the time I'm kind of going, okay, I could take another week off, but I'm good to go back if I want to. This was one of those. No. <laughs> and but here you are. Well, and, and this week, I, I'm not going to lie. Like I, I got my work done. I did it with excellence as always, but that was it. That was kind of the, I will do the, the minimum effective dose to put out the best quality <laughs> stuff. And I'm not worried about the rest of it. And I'm not thinking forward right now. And I'm not working on new things because I just can't right now, like mentally. And I'm, I'm just not there. <laughs> So that's okay. I know. And it, it's hard being an entrepreneur because you always got to keep moving forward and doing new things right. or life moves on without you. But maybe, maybe it's just a time right now, a small short season where I can just take a step back for a little bit and then uh, push forward later. I don't know. That's where we're at. Yeah. So, yeah. so the Olympics happened. I'm sure yeah, some people right. were I like, almost, yes. And some others were I like, wait, forgot. it did <laughs> wait, the, the what the Olympics happened. Yeah. You know what? It was fun. We, we watched, the men's basketball team that I was fun just because, you know, it's kind of the dream team thing. But what I found interesting this year is that it wasn't just the USA with NBA players. It was most of the countries with NBA players. And so USA had a much tougher time this year than usual, which is good. Yeah. And that is good. I I appreciate that. I agree. It wasn't as much of a blowout, very exciting games, you know, it it, it was good. And then we ended up looking at some of the, the diving actually, which diving is fun. I had a friend when I was a child, actually in Phoenix, he was practicing and getting ready to get into the Olympics. 
And good city to do that. Yeah. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. And <laughs> he would teach me all these diving moves and, you know, we used to have a good time as, as kids and all that, but then he just decided not to do it. Right. He went all the way up to it, trained all the way up to get into the Olympics, probably would have made it honestly. And then that was it decided no, nah, I can do it. So it's too bad, but he, huh. he was good. Diving has always been fascinating to me. So we enjoyed that. And then, you know, gymnastics is fun because that is something that I've never been able to do and never will be able to do. And so it's one of those superhuman things that these people do that I just go, wow. <laughs> you know. So that's why it's fun to watch. We heard, okay, that there's volleyball in the Olympics. Okay, cool. So we found beach volleyball and I'm like, I don't know what's going on. It's like two on two and the, the rules are different and I don't understand this. And bunch of sweaty dudes that are pilots. Yeah. Yeah. I do. You know what happened? <laughs> I feel was the, that need, movie? the need for was that a movie. The, the, oh, oh, you're thinking of top gun. <laughs> oh, that's yeah. Right. Yeah. Mind. Playing with the boys. That was a Kenny Loggins song playing <laughs> in the background. This was yeah. Beach volleyball. It's like you'd hit the ball and then it would stop and then hit the ball and it would stop, you know, because it would, it was kind of slow. Then we found that, nope, there's normal, regular volleyball. We watched the women's team. That was fun. And oh my gosh, are they good? It was, it was just like, why? Cause you know, we love college volleyball, but right. seeing it at that professional level, it's just a, wow, it's a whole step up. It's awesome. So that was really I'm fun to watch too. They have two different volleyball events, beach volleyball. And are they both women's only sports or are they, are they, uh, no, they're women's and men's both genders. Okay. Yeah. And they huh. have like two on two and I think four on four, three. I don't even know. There's a bunch of different. Wow. There's a bunch. See, that's one thing about the information age is that we're misinformation age, as the case may be, where yeah. you can have basically an infinite number of events now, Pretty and much. you can just stream them all simultaneously, and people can watch what they want. We were we were scrolling through them, and you know, we found judo and kickboxing and actual boxing, and I mean, all kinds of different things. And then you look at uh-huh. equestrian, and then if you look at the equestrian, there's jumping and prancing and all kinds of. <laughs> I mean, I don't understand. <laughs> Just that word makes me want to prance, prance around. It's, around. it's so much fun. <laughs> I don't understand that. So Sarah rode horses when she was younger. And so she was excited about that and watching it. Oh my gosh, look at what they're doing. I'm like, I, I don't understand this at all. It's cool, huh. but I don't know. Like, is that, is that hard? <laughs> oh yes, that's hard. Okay. Well, Did I didn't he do know that. that. Right. Yeah. Or you know, and so apparently right? a, for a horse to dance, literally dance, that's pretty impressive. And I thought, well, you got, well yeah, you got it. You got to play a certain type of hip hop to make a horse dance. Well, that's I'm, what I've heard. I'm still waiting though for a true disco, you know, where the horse actually sticks one of its legs up in the air and does the disco point, you know, and then yeah. starts doing the the pelvic thrust. I mean, that would be impressive. Someday. I think there are trainers out there prepping horses for that right this minute. Yeah. But yeah. you have to play. You didn't, you may not have known this. This is true. Look it up. You have to play tribe called quest for a horse to dance properly. Okay. It's okay. just true. So Olympics so. 2024, that'll be the next pelvic thrust equestrian dancing. Yeah. Maybe Prancing. next time, maybe next time they'll have the disco thing figured out. But right so. now you don't, they don't play it cause it's kind of a, I mean, they just don't want to play it, but they don't uh, want to spoil back, it. They have tribe called quest playing in the background. Very okay. slow, very okay. quiet. Only the, or, only the horses can hear it. Cause yeah. I mean, I want to hear it cause I love tribe called quest. But, Are they like little horse earbuds that, you know, they stick in yes. the horse's ears. Yeah, yeah, Apple makes them. They're they're a patented thing. Apple only Apple makes them. Horse pods. Uh, <laughs> horse pods. They are. That's exactly what they're called. Good, good oh one. Disco Equestrian Olympics. Somebody better do it. They're working on it. Yeah. Good times, man. Hey, here's an interesting thought. I asked the question in the intro. What would your superpower be? What would you want? 
if you could have a superpower, and of course, I mean, we've all been asked this question. Oh, yeah. And everybody says, oh, I, I want to be, you know, I want to fly or I want to be invisible or yada, yada. It's super usually strength, the top two, super right? Speed. Super strength. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, that's that, that's the same old thing. But then you got to think about, think of all the superpowers out there. There's a lot these days. Yeah. I was realizing that when people would ask me what superpower I would want, I've never been able to pick one. I really? mean, I've always been like, well, I mean, flying would be cool and, and visibility would be cool and super strength would be cool. And, you know, uh, telepathy would be cool and mind control. I mean, oh, my gosh, how do I pick all these? They're so exciting. There's so many. I, I would shoot lightning out of my fingers or, you know, have the power that storm has because I love storms or, oh, my gosh, I would I'd rather control water because I love water or shooting fire. Ugh, I can't pick it. I'm, oh, this is so hard. It is. Well, <laughs> for some people, yeah. Then I had this realization. I'm like, oh, yeah, duh, Brian, you're a multi-passionate. Well, then that means that a multi-passionate superhero would be the master of all powers. Yeah, because you would have all the powers. Or right? at least most of them, right? Why not, though? Sure. Well, here's the thing. Then I remembered that one of my favorite superhero characters ever was in. Do you remember the TV show Heroes? Yes. Okay. Season one of Heroes, Peter Petrelli. When in season one, he would be able to absorb each superhero's power and add it to his own arsenal. Yeah, Do you remember that? Right. I, barely. Yes. I watched the first season and that's all I watched, but I enjoyed it. That was a great first season. It went downhill after that, but that first season was phenomenal. I loved that character. I loved the fact that he could continue to absorb all of the powers. I mean, I got so excited about that. Well, then everybody was complaining and the writers were like, okay, he's way too overpowered. Let's just change it so that in season two, oh, now he can only absorb one power at a time. So if he absorbs another one, oh, the other one's gone. It's like, oh, come on. And it was so lame and it killed the character for me. And finally, I'm like, "Ah, just write him out of the story. And they sort of did. It just wasn't exciting anymore. But that's the thing. So for someone like me, Peter Petrelli, how he can absorb all of the superheroes power and continue to gain new ones and be literally like, which one do I want to use? Oh, let me pick. Well, I'm a multi-passionate. This is exciting. <laughs> but everyone else goes, ah, that's ridiculous. That's overpowering. Me. Me, we don't like that. Don't do that. That's stupid. <laughs> oh, man. Good voice. So which power would I want? All of them <laughs> or, or pick and well, choose. That's like saying how many, uh, I get three wishes. Well, my first wish is for a thousand more wishes. Ultimate or, uh, wishes or what yeah. unlimited, but they right. don't let you do that anymore. No, People God are, dang it. I know that's the thing. They're like, no, you're not allowed to do that anymore. Come on. <laughs> Here's another devil's advocate thought though, is that the person who has unlimited powers, I'm not even going to say unlimited. It's not even that it's just multiple powers. They can pick multiple powers. They don't have to just pick one and all that. Would they be too overpowered in the sense of, you know, they couldn't handle it, I guess. Mentally and emotionally, the power would go to their head. They'd become some tyrant ruler or whatever. That's a good question because it has been proven over and over and over in history that ultimate power corrupts ultimately. Or what? what, It can't happen. That's the exact thing. Absolute. Absolute power corrupts absolutely. Yes, Yes, that's what it is. And it happens. I really, truly would like to believe that it is possible for a human being of a certain personality type to be able to handle that sort of power and responsibility. I believe in the concept of the benevolent dictator, for example, I believe in the concept of it. Yeah. I believe that it is, it is literally possible to exist, but obviously it almost never does. I mean, it has happened pleadingly throughout history. There've been a handful, very small handful of recorded benevolent dictators, but they're rare and far between. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Well, okay. What about you though? What power 
first of all, what do you think of that multi-passionate superhero with multiple powers? Do you think that's overpowered and you'd hate it too? Or do you think, oh, actually, no. Oh, okay. No, because it, it's it's all academic anyway. It's a it's a of course it doesn't exist. So I think it's awesome. Yeah, go for it. Okay. Besides, Superman, like I said, Superman is a multi-power superhero, right? I mean, he does he does have a lot. Of, yes, he, he can fly. He's strong. He's fast. He has he's uh, X-ray vision. He has laser vision. What else does he have? Well, he's he, not invincible because of kryptonite. But I mean, he, come on, he's invulnerable. I guess you know because without kryptonite, he's invincible. Right. So he is technically a multi. Power Powered, superhero. Yeah. yeah, that's true. So, and he's one of the few. Me personally, do you remember the first time I was on your show? Yes, it was like episode two, I think. The reason I got the name Captain Influence was because of this exact same question. Oh, that's right. We were talking about that way back then, weren't we? Yeah. yeah. So, my superpower, and it has been, this has been my choice for decades, would be the power to influence people's minds. Yeah. Personally, I believe, and I could be wrong. I mean, if, if in an alternate universe I were given this power, maybe it would corrupt me and it would go to my head. And most yeah. of you out there listening being like, yeah, totally, dude. That's, that's not the best power to have. Yeah, but that's the power I would want. And, and personally, my intent would be to use it for the good of all mankind. Yep. You not know, for my own benefit. That would just come, not, that would come naturally. Yeah. But for sure, I would use it to make sure that nobody ever screwed each other ever again. Mm-hmm. That we didn't predate on each other all the time. That wars would be com- completely a thing of the past. People would not not just not agree with each other all the time. That's just simply not realistic. But you would have compromise in legislative bodies would be the rule instead of the the rarity. Um, people would I mean, listen to and each all other. of this. Yeah, and people. <laughs> all of this would come about because I would be making them do it. Basically, sounds like a dictatorship. It does. It would, and, yeah. and it would be, and, and, and you know, there's that whole thing where you'd be taking people's free will, but from their perspective, that's what they want to do is what you want them to do. And so it's to them, they are, their free will is acting in your interest. So it's, it's, it's all academic, yeah. right? But that's my dream power. See, that's interesting it's, because I, I'm all for free will, by the way. And I'm all, in fact, I was just, gosh, what was I watching? They were just talking about free will. It was about, People don't actually really want free will. Free will causes doubt and fear and regret. And I'm kind of oh, like, wait, the, what was that? Loki? Oh, the, the master's theses. Yeah, it might've been a Loki. The, yeah. the master's theses that have been written in psychology and psychiatry about this very subject. Yeah. Could probably could probably fill the Pacific ocean. You know, the problem it, with that though, is that that's untrue. It's, it's a, you know, they're on the right track that free will does also cause that, but Free will is a true blessing and a curse. That's the thing. Like, and, and it's about, it's up to us yeah. to manage that, to make sure that we are making, you know, the healthy choices for us because yeah, we have that choice to do it. But if that choice was taken from me, oh man, <laughs> no, well, yeah, of course. I don't think but so. You wouldn't, but it, but in my case, you Talking wouldn't even know you would have absolutely no idea it was taken from you. That's the thing about the power that I want. <laughs> but here's the thing though. Like if you could influence people to, we've talked about this here on the show. If you respect and value others and you listen to others and you understand where they're coming from, then wars wouldn't happen because it's, it's up to us to sit down and listen to each other and understand and go, okay, well, yeah, let, let's, you know, you've got some good points and I've got some good points. Let's put them together and move forward that way. That doesn't create yeah. war. That doesn't create heartache and all kinds of other problems and all that. So, sure. that, and that's kind of the thing is, but if you took that away from people, then well, what's the point? It's a deep thought, right? I mean, this whole, this whole rabbit hole is really something you could spend episode after episode, just going back and forth on it. But yeah, it's impossible, literally impossible for any human being to really wrap their head around that concept. It's beyond our comprehension too. 
it, totally. It's it's almost like the size of the universe type of thing. We yep. just can't comprehend everything that's in the universe. So yeah, that's why it's a fun topic to talk about, but you'll never really come to a conclusion. Can somebody have that many powers? Well, because of free will, it, man, that person could destroy the world or it, you know, that person could really save the world. I mean, who knows? That's mm-hmm. the thing. And that's another reason I'm really enjoying Superman and Lois right now. Because there is that where there was an alternate Earth scenario and well, Superman chose the wrong path and pretty much decimated Earth. Oh, really? In this alternate, you know, area. But, you know, the one here, well, he's married to Lois Lane. And so he's made he's already made a good choice. And, <laughs> he's a happy and camper. yeah, and, and he's got a family. And so all of this kind of impacts the choices he makes now with all of that power. And so it's it's very interesting yeah, that sounds good. It kind of does actually correspond with what we're talking about. So I, I mean, yeah, it's, it is a fascinating discussion that we didn't plan to get into really, but more about the superpowers. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I think it's kind of cool. So thank you for uh, dialoguing with me on this because I think it is an interesting question. And we'd sure love to know what superpowers you would prefer the most. Or if you're like me and would say, I would love like 10 or 20 or 50 or 100 of them. I mean, it would be awesome. Yeah. yeah. Let us know. Throw them at us. Throw yeah, them at I'd us. love to hear it. I just want to say thank you, thank you, thank you so much to all of you who are supporting The Real Brian Show through Patreon and through our Amazon link. It's been awesome. Please don't forget, by the way, you know, every single time you shop on Amazon, make sure to use that affiliate link. It's all over the website. It's in the show notes. Just click the link. It'll take you to Amazon and then you just shop normally. Don't forget. It doesn't cost you anymore. It's just that Amazon gives a portion back to the real Brian show rather than keeping it all for themselves. I mean, that's really right. all it is. So just make yeah, sure to me. use that affiliate link. If you have any problems with it for whatever reason, or if your ad blockers blocking something and all that, that's why I put a link in the show notes and not like the actual banner. Right. Check that out. But yeah, keep doing that. It's really, really helping. It's helping to support covering all the costs for all the video stuff that we're, we're working on right now and trying to get going. Uh, and thank you to all you patrons. Seriously, it's just it's been amazing. And I'm, I, every time I see that, I'm just like, wow, this is this is so awesome. It's keeping the show going. It's allowing us to grow. And it's it's awesome. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. OK, you've got an origin for us. Do I ever. And it's perfect timing. Oh, it's totally apropos. So guess what this week's origin is? Go the for dog it. days of summer. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which we are in the middle of right now. Oh, yeah. So from dictionary.com. Uh, This is one of those few origins that I do where all the sources agree on this origin. This is a definite origin. Contrary to common conjecture, the dog days do not take their particular name from weather that, quote, isn't fit for a dog, unquote, or heat that is so extreme that it drives dogs mad. These folk etymologies shrink in comparison with the actual background of the phrase, which is a story of astronomical proportions. The dog days in the most technical sense refer to the one or two month interval in which a particularly bright star rises and sets with the sun, shining during the daylight hours and staying hidden at night. This star is known by three names, Sirius, the dog star, and Alpha Canis Majoris. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. I didn't know about the whole shining during the day. I, there's a certain time of the year where, the, where Sirius is in the, in the sky, like right when you can see it brightly when the sun is rising. Okay. But then, it, of course, the atmosphere dilutes it. Apart from being the most prominent star in the constellation Canis Major, which is Latin for a greater dog, this heavenly body is responsible for the origin of the expression dog days, a phrase that has endured through millennia. Classicists and astronomers will know the dog star as Sirius. The earliest record of this name comes from the Greek poet Hesiod in Work and Days, written in the 7th century BC. Sirius, by the way, meaning means searing or scorching. 
Sirius encapsulates the dog star's unusual brightness. Additionally, in Greek mythology, Sirius is the name of the dog of Orion, a mythical hunter Mm. who has a constellation of his own adjacent to Canis Major, which further reinforces the dog star's historical association with canines. This tradition continues in the Harry Potter series, by the way, uh, where Sirius Sirius Black's animagus form is a large black dog. I didn't know that. (laughs) This whole time it's like Sirius Black, you know? Yeah, because he does turn into the, well, he's an animagus. Fascinating. Named after the dog star. That's cool. So... The dog star being the second brightest star that can be seen with the naked eye did not escape the attention of ancient astronomers, nor did its annual disappearance from the night sky and the corresponding influx of heat. Hmm. Initially, ancient Greeks blamed the dog star for the sweltering weather, assuming that its brightness paired with the sun manifested in the hottest days of the year. So they thought that Sirius was combining its heat with the sun to make it so miserable in the summer. Interesting. Okay, cool. This belief was debunked in the first century BC by Greek astronomer Geminus, but the significance of the dog star remained untempered. In ancient times, the dog days would have roughly corresponded to the summer solstice. Due to precession, however, the dog days have fallen later and later in the year. Precession is the how the earth is tilted as the decades and centuries go by, the tilt changes. So the seasons shift very subtly over the course of the centuries. The exact dates of the dog days depend on your latitude, but by today's estimation, they begin on July 3rd and come to a close on, on August 11th. So, oh, okay, so that's we're over. At, yeah. Yeah. Humans have been griping out weather, about weather as far back as written history reaches, and the dog days were an important time for all. The ancient Greeks and Romans in particular had grim feelings for Sirius, associating it with an outbreak of insufferable heat and fever. Civilization has long credited the objects in the sky with influence over the earth and its inhabitants, astrology. If it's not the dog star cursing you with sultry summer heat and madness, it's the moon driving you lunacy. And, you know, it just seems you can't win when it comes to celestial bodies. Interesting. So yeah. there you go. Isn't that funny about moon and lunacy? Like yeah. the words. Never really thought about lunacy as a... Uh, Luna love good. Well, yeah, that too. <laughs> <laughs> the moon goddess. Oh, I loved Luna. She was awesome. She's awesome. I had no clue about this. This is really fascinating. I actually did think it was all about, you know, oh, this weather is so hot. It's the dog days, you know, kind (laughs) of just, you know, I'm sweating like like a dog, dog. sweating like a dog or dogs were, you know, panting like a dog. You know, that's what I always assumed that too. I knew about Sirius, but I had no idea it was connected to that phrase. So fascinating. Cool. Well, we learn something new every week on this show. Nice. Thank you. Boom. I appreciate that. Tell you what. All right, man, let's get into our music, our journey. We are coming to an end here soon. We're in the 30s and 40s. We decided to combine 30s and 40s just because Yeah. <laughs> a lot of this. I realize a lot of the stuff that I love from that era was in the late 30s, even though it was popular in the 40s. So I just thought, let's combine those two decades. Right. I hope you've enjoyed this. This has been a lot of fun, but let's get into the 40s. So Captain, start us. Brian, I only started loving 30s and 40s music when I first played the game Fallout 3. Remember that one? Yeah. Back around 2009 or so, the entire soundtrack to that game while you're playing is 30s and 40s music, and you can listen to it constantly while you play. Yeah. It's on like a radio station on your, on your little ARM computer. Needless to say, I listened to those few songs a lot, and I really grew to love them. Since then, I have started listening to 30s and 40s music stations on Spotify, which have expanded my appreciation for this era of popular music. Nice. Popular Western music, by the way. Sure. So. Now, really quickly, though, Fallout. I never played any of those Fallout games, but Johnny Pistol Shot played them, and he played yeah. one game, and I want to say it was Fallout 2, maybe, but it was the one where they're uh, they're you know they're in the the underground bunker and they've been under there because radiation has gone away and they open it up and it's playing a kiss to build a dream on Louis Armstrong you know give me a kiss to build a dream I can't 
<laughs> from my imagination. <laughs> <laughs> and I love that song. Like it's it's one of my favorite Louis Armstrong songs, which dang it was in the 50s. By the way, I missed uh, Louis yeah. Armstrong. Well, at one of them, but most of his popular stuff was the 50s and I thought it was 40s. Most of his 40s and 30s stuff was if he had 30s stuff, it was when he, he was just trumpet playing. But in yeah. the 50s, he started singing, too. Yeah. Was that Fallout 2, though? Do you remember that? Uh, one? Well, I never played Fallout 1 or 2, but oh, Fallout okay. 3 also starts where you're in an underground bunker and then you open it up. Uh, you escape a uh, calamity inside the bunker like a rebellion. Oh, okay, so in the, and in the then you're second, then you're in the open world. Gotcha. And the second one, it's just it's it's morbid, dude. Like there there's this happy family <laughs> that's been living underground, you know, for however many years and the radiation's gone and they open up and they get mowed down by a guy with a chain gun. Oh, yeah, that, so that might be too. Yeah. <laughs> but it's playing that song. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, no, no, you're fine. So I have a top four. Number four is the ink spots. I don't want to set the world on fire. I don't want to set the world on fire. Oh, yeah. Okay, I remember that now. Nice. Yeah, I'll sing a little bit of each one, I guess. Uh, Appreciate that. That's that's actually the signature song of Fallout Three. It's the song they play at the in the intro uh, okay. to the game. So um, number three, not from Fallout, is Vera Lynn, "The White Cliffs of oh, Dover." Yeah. That's a good one. I'm not going to sing this one. I have a bit of a retro crush on Vera Lynn. I have to admit, even though she recently passed away last year in 2020 at the age of 103. What? Oh, that's yeah. awesome. She lived that long. This is one of several Vera Lynn hits that were wildly popular in Great Britain during the Blitz of 1940 to 41 when Germany was bombing the crap out of England's cities to try and get England to capitulate. Vera's songs were credited for boosting morale for the thousands of people sleeping in underground stations while their houses oh. were bombed. That whole concept just still weirds me out. Yeah. A, what we would consider a civilized city on both sides, Germany and, and uh, England or uh, any, anywhere in Europe, basically. Mm-hmm. Was you know it was was the height of civilization back in the mid twentieth century, and they had bombers over their cities, leveling their cities. Mm. That's yeah, no, just, just think weird. about that. Is is I know we, we none of us can relate. None of us can even think about that. I mean, it's just like wh- when we try to imagine looking up, like going outside your house right now, look up in the sky, mm-hmm. and try and imagine a flight of bombers overhead dropping bombs on you. Yeah, that's what they lived with. Yeah, it's terrifying. That's just crazy. So anyway, that was number three. Number two, Bing Crosby. When he was still Bob Crosby and the Bobcats. Oh, nice. Way back home. This was also in Fallout 3. One of my favorites from that soundtrack, uh, Bing's sultry voice is one of my favorites of all time. I love his voice. And then number one, the Andrews Sisters, Civilization. Nice. (laughs) This song, you got to listen to it. It's fun. The Andrews Sisters are are very prominent in the Fallout 3 soundtrack and have a signature sound that really hooked me into the genre. Basically. I would credit the Andrews sisters for really being the hook that got me into this genre of music. And that specific song civilization is just, it's, it's them and this other guy doing a duet and it's really fun. I love them. That was, that was my top four. Nice. My honor, honorable mention list. I have two by the two more by the ink spots into each life. Some rain must fall. If I didn't care. That's also the first song in the Shawshank Redemption oh, soundtrack. Oh, okay. If I didn't yeah. care. That's a great song. That's a good one to sing. Fats Waller ain't misbehaving. Nice. Ella Fitzgerald, It's Only a Paper Moon. Oh, yeah, one of her early ones. Yeah. Glenn Miller, In the Mood. Oh, yeah. Glenn Miller, you should read about him. His story is interesting. He he disappeared flying to Paris, I think, or some somewhere in, during World War II. His, the plane he was on disappeared. Oh, wow. Uh, we presume it was shot down. No one really exactly knows exactly what happened to Glenn Miller, and there are some conspiracies around it for some reason. Hmm. Jack Shandlin, Let's Go Sunning, another hmm. one from Fallout 3. Okay. 
Roy Brown, Butcher Pete, one of my favorite, funnest songs from Fallout 3. <laughs> it's a really, it's a very macabre song about this butcher who's hacking people into pieces. Oh, jeez. Yeah. <laughs> Bing Crosby and the Andrews sisters lay that pistol down. Another one from Fallout. Mm-hmm. And the last one is Vera Lynn. We'll meet again. Nice. So that's my list. Very cool. Yes. 30s and 40s. You know, for me, in fact, I was telling you this when we were gaming that the music just feels so romanticized. It, it makes yeah. the 30s and 40s decade feel like it would just be this this beautiful, romantic place to live in. And right, yet, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. And yet there's the Great Depression that they're, you know, recovering from. There's, you know, the war and stuff. Clearly a difficult time to live through. And, you know, even just talking to my grandparents about it, that was not an easy time. You know, I think polio was still going on back then too. You know, talking about a not anyway. a, not an easy time to live through, but you know, movies and and the music that we talk about right now, it romanticized that era. And you think about, oh my gosh, it would be so cool to live through. And, you know, dress like that. And, you know, you know, I'm a huge shadow fan, the shadow. And so mm-hmm. the shadow was created back then. And so all of the the radio shows of the shadow and world of worlds and stuff like that. And, you know, how he would dress. I would dress up like the shadow for Halloween so much, you know, and it's all in the full on suit with the trench coat and the the fedora. And all. I mean, you just look mm-hmm. cool. And it's like, that's such cool stuff. But that era of music feels classy and elegant. But we can't forget, you know, what happened back then as well. So I'll go through mine. Uh, I like to go in in order of one and on. (laughs) I'm kind of weird like that. That's cool. Number one for me, Glenn Miller, Moonlight Serenade. To me, this is just my favorite song from that era. I loved it. I was in jazz band in high school. We played (laughs) that kind of music. This was my favorite one that we would do. It was so much fun. And and of course, it was mostly big band jazz, which I'm not a big fan of modern jazz at all. But big band jazz was fun to play. And it's just such a beautiful song. And I'm going to go read about a story, I'm, by the way. I'm thinking about it right now. Yeah. Yeah. It's number, going through my head. Number two, and this one, I, I didn't realize this was written in this era. This is amazing to me, was When You Wish Upon a Star, which is one oh. of my favorite Disney's, probably my favorite Disney song. By the way, this was Cliff Edwards. I remember, though, this is crazy. I had a mobile over my bed or crib or something when I was very little that played this song. And I remember this, like spinning around me and, you know, seeing the thing moving and playing that song over and over. I remember that so much. And I was telling my parents, this was, you know, years ago, I told my parents and like, you were six months old when that was over. I'm like, Hey man, I remember that. (laughs) Yeah. That's crazy to me, but yeah, it's wow. It's just always been one of my favorite songs. So that had to go at number two. Now this one, just because I love Nat King Cole so much. I mean, talk about a smooth voice, just beautiful, beautiful. Most of his stuff, once again, was in the 50s, but right. he recorded the Christmas song, you know, chipmunks roasting on an open fire. That, I'm sorry, <laughs> chestnuts. <laughs> one of my favorite Christmas songs of all time. So I'm including that one in there. Has to be in there. Good one. And then number four, of course, the Andrew sisters. But my pick is Boogie, Boogie, Woogie, Bugle Boy, because I just love that song. It's of so Company cool. B, you know, yeah. that, that was on my honorable mentions list. And I don't know why. I don't know where it went. Oh, that was on my honorable mentions list. So yeah, of company I, B. It's I think company I swapped something else. Yeah, of company Brian. I mean, that's what I. Boogie woogie bugle boy of company B. Yeah, yeah it's a such a good song, and they are awesome. They really are. Uh, number five, and again, this one I was surprised that it was recorded back then as well. Is Cab Calloway, Minnie the Moocher. Oh, okay. So the first time I ever heard this song was in the Blues Brothers movies when he gets up on stage because remember, like they weren't all there, the band wasn't ready to go, and so he gets up and performs that. And I just love that song. It was so much fun, but I had no idea that it was recorded back in the, I think it was the thirties. 
which is just crazy to me. So such a fun song. I think he was one of the original scat artists too. And just really, really good. He might be credited with inventing the genre. He uh, might at least popularizing the genre. Yeah. Number six is Glenn Miller in the mood. Big band jazz. Just awesome. Now, number seven and eight here. I did a lot of musicals in high school as a pianist and we helped to put the musicals together. We had such a fun time doing that. I love musicals in general, by the way. And these two songs are from musicals. These songs, we did this musical where it was basically it was a hodgepodge of various songs from various musicals into one kind of greatest hits. Yeah, medley, a greatest hits musical that we did. It was a lot of fun. And so we just picked stuff. And these were the two favorites that we did for me anyway, was uh, someone to watch over me. Oh, I love that song. And Margaret Whiting is the one singing on this one that I absolutely, uh, it's a beautiful version. So check that one out. Embraceable You is one of my other favorites. And I I found a version by Judy Garland that I love. Judy. Judy. She's, that's awesome. Judy. So those are my top eight there. And a quick, just a few honorable mentions for me this time. Fred Astaire, Cheek to Cheek. My favorite version of Cheek to Cheek is Louie and Ella, though. But that was in the 50s. The Fred Astaire version is just as good. Heaven. (laughs) I'm in heaven. heaven. (laughs) (laughs) When we're dancing cheek to cheek. Swing it, Ella. (laughs) (laughs) Sing it, baby. Oh, yeah. I just, oh, yeah. (laughs) Okay, dude, moving on. Benny Goodman, Sing, Sing, Sing. Such a great song. Oh, this is great. This song is so much fun. Riders in the Sky, Vaughn Monroe. Oh, wow. I mean, it's been sung by a lot of different artists and bands and stuff over the years, but such a good song. So cool. It's like one of the classic Westerns. You know, you mentioned the the great Bing Crosby. So, yes, White Christmas. Bing. Mm. <laughs> Bing. Oh, yeah. White Christmas. That was a that was an international hit yeah. uh, when Bing Crosby released that one. Yeah. yeah. Watch out big. for that first step. It's a Everywhere. doozy. Duke Ellington. It don't mean a thing if you ain't got that swing. Oh, awesome. Awesome. Yeah. I got rhythm. Another great musical song. Red Nichols did this one. It was another yeah, Gershwin. That's a Gershwin. That's yep. a Gershwin. Yeah. Glenn Miller, Chattanooga Choo Choo. And then I had to include Judy Garland over the rainbow just because that's just oh, classic, yeah. you know? And then of course, Judy. <laughs> Judy, sentimental journey, Doris day, Les Brown orchestra. Beautiful. Uh, Doris. Good stuff there. So there you go. There's, there's my pick. Now a couple of others came in from the Huntress. Thank you. She also had actually okay. three of the ones that I have, which was boogie woogie bugle boy in the mood and wish when you wish upon a star as well. So awesome. thank you for those. And then spider pan also had an ink spot song. If I didn't care which you had that one too. I didn't care. That was his first one. Sammy Davis jr. Dude, think about him. Like what he's been around for a while too. You know, what kind of fool am I? I didn't realize he had 40 stuff. I guess he did though. Yeah, uh, I didn't either. Not sure I got to start in the forties too. So Andrew sisters uh, as well, but this one is the, the German. Was it by mir beast du Sean? I don't know how to pronounce it. Mir beast du Sean. That's right. Okay. That's another great one. Someone to watch over me as well. Singing in the rain, Bing Crosby, swinging on a star. So many good songs oh, here. That's so a good one. yeah. Swinging on a star is, is possibly my favorite Bing Crosby song ever. So oh, nice. yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Well, wait, good call. Good call. Spider-Man. You forgot to put that one in there then. I did. You're right. Every decade, I miss a few that I should have put in there. That, that That's one yeah. of them. Yeah. Isn't that amazing though? How we go. Oh, wait, I didn't realize that was back then. And then you go, oh, I should have yeah. put that one in there. Just like Louis Armstrong, Louis and Ella cheek to cheek. I would have put that in the fifties that I thought about it, but I didn't. <laughs> oh, anyway, good times. All right. Well, heaven. <laughs> I'm in heaven. I can't get enough of Louis Armstrong. I just can't. <laughs> it's so much fun, dude. He's a cool yeah. cat. Yeah. So next week, soundtracks. Ooh, yeah. Send in your thoughts on soundtracks. It is going to be hard. I had 
to narrow it down to 65 songs <laughs> and I'm stuck at 65 from, songs from 65 different soundtracks too. <laughs> yeah. And, that's, and that's it's insane. I have so many. I didn't realize how many soundtracks I loved over the years and I just because yeah. it's something I pay attention to. So it's right. Gonna, woo, it's going to be an interesting one next week. But what's on our honk list, dude? You and I finally started watching Loki. Finally. Are yes. you liking it so far? Yeah, I'm two episodes in and they're both really good. So awesome. Yeah, I mean, most of you out there have probably already watched it. Don't tell us anything. I've only heard good things about it and so far so good. Awesome. Yeah, I've watched the first episode. I had to laugh though because two things made me laugh. One is this is the Marvel version of Legends of Tomorrow. (laughs) The more I'm watching this, I'm like, this is just Legends of Tomorrow Marvel version. And that's what Marvel is famous for doing, ripping off DC and then doing it better. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Last month, I actually watched a handful of episodes of Legends of Tomorrow when I was staying with uh, up to later in his family. Yeah. His kids watch Legends of Tomorrow like religiously, like every night. Oh, wow. And so I would watch a few episodes with them. And, and I wasn't, ter- I, I could see why people would, would want to watch it, but I wasn't terribly impressed with the production value. Yeah, um, it's cheese. In the first couple of seasons, you know, they, they took themselves seriously. They really put together a good show. And then they just kind of said, let's just make fun of ourselves and go crazy. Yeah, so I don't remember what season they were watching, but I see what you're comparing between Loki and that. They both have the time, quote, bureau. You know, they both are dealing with anachronisms and, you know, variants, time variants and stuff. It's just like there's, it's all, it's all very similar. So it just kind of felt like, oh, it's, you know, it's Legends of Tomorrow, but just a little better. And I like it. It's, it's well done so far. This is what really made me laugh. And this is not giving anything away, but there's an, a little scene where he's watching this animated thing, this animated video. And it's explaining the multiverse. And I'm like, dude, that is a hundred percent ripoff of Jurassic Park when they're doing the little animated thing where it's explaining how dinos are made with the DNA thing, you know, how they're cloned. And I'm like, oh my gosh, it's even the voice style is exactly the same. It's just male in Jurassic Park and Tara Strong did that here, which she's awesome. I love her. But it was just like, oh my gosh, that is a hundred percent ripoff of Jurassic Park. So I thought that was funny. But anyway, good show. So well, good episode. That's all I saw. Yeah. All right. Suicide Squad is out. Speaking of DC. Yes. And I heard that the this new The Suicide Squad movie is significantly better and what should have been done in the first place. It is on our list. We have access to it and we're going to watch it and talk about it next week. So stay tuned. And if you haven't watched it, get on that so we can spoil it for you if you want. Yeah. Here's a couple of others that I have not watched yet and are on my list anyway. And that is the Val. It's called Val, but it's the Val Kilmer documentary which really? is on Amazon prime. Yeah. Oh my God. I, I'm glad you mentioned that. I can't wait to watch that. Yeah. I'm going to watch that this week. I saw a preview for it somewhere and I thought, wait, what is this? And intro. Okay. This is crazy. So the preview, it sounds like Val is narrating it and it's going through his life and talking about, you know, who he was and everything. And then later there's the scene where it says, you know, Val has throat cancer and he's talking through a tube, that mechanical voice box. And I'm like, wait a minute, how is he narrating this? And then later I found out it's his son that's narrating it and sounds so much like Val. Interesting. Okay. Fast and Furious 9. Of course I'm watching that, dude. I am, I love that whole freaking <laughs> franchise. It's awesome. It's ridiculous. It's adrenaline, Here, man. A year from now, you'll be talking about F12. Yeah. So, it's, yeah. it's a test fest. It's a, it's a roid rage test fest, man. <laughs> I mean, it's awesome. Jungle Cruise. This is a Disney movie with, let's see here. Emily, see Emily Blunt and The uh-huh. Rock. Dwayne and Johnson. The Rock. Yeah. Now, yeah. I heard it was really good. It was fun. I've heard good things about it, too. I, for whatever reason, I don't have much interest in, in watching it, but I have heard 
it's uh, entertaining. Yeah. So I'm going to check it out. We'll talk about that one too. And then you recommended Revenge of the Nerds. So I have it on my list. Yeah, it came up in conversation for some reason. <laughs> and you're like, I've never seen it. So you haven't watched did. Revenge of the Nerds. No, I never did. So yeah, I'm, I'm glad it's on your list now because that's just one of those staple 80s movies that most people don't think about very often when they think of 80s movies. But yeah, all of it was fun. Right after the whole 50s we talked about two weeks ago. Yeah. We were inspired to rewatch American Graffiti and Sarah hadn't really, I don't think she'd ever seen it because she's like, okay. I don't remember this. So either, either she slept through it the first time or... <laughs> She never did see it and we don't remember, but she didn't remember any of it. So we watched it. Oh my gosh. I mean, it holds up. It's still phenomenal. You know, even I I think I've seen it 25 times now. Oh, that's a good one. I like that. All right. My last thing I'm going to (laughs) say. Take it, Ella. We got to do a whole episode talking like Louis Armstrong. (laughs) My voice would be trashed. And and our listenership would would plummet. So yeah, I don't know about that. (laughs) I think people like it. I have to share this really quickly and then we'll wrap up. But we have played the games left for dead and left for dead Two, which were zombie games, zombie games. I was always a fan of left for dead Two, not because of zombies. I am over zombies and I've been over zombies for oh, a decade now. So over zombies. Oh, yeah. Get over it. Like seriously, it's just, it's driving uh-huh. me crazy now, but uh-huh. the gameplay in left for dead Two was phenomenal. The story in it was phenomenal and it was a lot of fun. And I actually got a bunch of mods for Left 4 Dead 2 that would replace all of the zombies with stormtroopers or Darth <laughs> Vader, you know. And so instead of these zombies running at you, there's stormtroopers running at you. And it was more fun for me because I, I hate zombies. I'd I want just, to do a xenomorph mob and have the xenomorphs oh, running. at you. That would be That'd awesome. Be, yeah. And there usually are a bunch of mods that, you know, players will go around and create and it's a lot of fun. So that was more fun for me. It was a gameplay in the story. Well, they've been talking about doing a Left 4 Dead 3 for years, and then eventually, you know, they said, forget it. We're not going to do it anymore. Another company, and I hear rumored that it's not Valve, but I hear rumored that some of the old designers and stuff from Left 4 Dead from Valve moved on and created this company. (laughs) They're creating a game called Back 4, the the number 4, Blood, because it used to be Left 4, the number 4, Dead. So it's essentially Left 4 Dead 3, but not officially. I if see that makes doing. sense. Yeah. 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 So that is in beta right now, actually this weekend. I want to test it out and see it just because again, they've, they've always done a good job with those games. Interested to see who might jump in on that one for you gamers. Cause not everybody's gaming for those of you who do game. Let me know. Yeah. All yeah. right. Well, that was fun. Thank you, captain. Good to be back, oh, man. Yeah. That was a good time. Yeah. Don't forget to send us your songs, your soundtrack songs. Tell us what superpower or superpowers you want. Show notes are at realbrianshow.com slash 292. Everything is in there. The Amazon link is in there. The Patreon link is in there. And again, thank you for those of you supporting and helping out. That's awesome. And you can get in contact with us through the website. That's honestly the easiest way to do it. Just go to the website contact page. It comes directly to me. Love to hear from you. And I think I'm going to go buy a horse and teach it some disco so we can do disco equestrian in the Olympics in 2024. But I got to get my hands on some of those horse pods, man. Those are deep thoughts with Captain Influence. I wonder, would a society of dogs have a time of year called the human days? Then I start to imagine people sniffing each other's butts and I lose my train of thought. Well, you know what the music means. Oh, hey, it's you, Captain Influence. (laughs) Oh my gosh, that's just wrong, dude. That is wrong. 
Yeah, that's how animals identify each other. Quick, turn around. Oh, it's Captain oh, Influence. Yeah. <laughs> you had asparagus last night, didn't you? Woo! Have a wonderful week. Thank you so much for joining us, Real Brian Show. Signing off. The Real Brian Show is a production of 514 Media at 514mediaempire.com.